ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another express post from this Women's World Cup. Yesterday's games were fun. They were a lot of fun. Um, So we're very excited to talk about them. There's lots of little things happening off the pitch that we're excited to talk about as well. And we've got a little new segment to debut as well. So it's going to be a good episode if I do say so myself. But before we begin, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Yuggera people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes and Anna Harrington. So... Friendies, let's talk about yesterday's games because we started the day sensationally with Colombia 2, South Korea 0. It was a gorgeous day in Sydney. You won't hear me saying that often, but it was stunning. The SFS was full for like a lunchtime kickoff on a weekday and Colombia were like, we're going to bring the party. We're going to have some fun. And boy, did they. So, Hara, I remember you saying that you were quite impressed with Colombia. So tell me a little bit about what impressed you about this win over South Korea. Yeah, I think it was really disappointing for Colombia that their return to the World Cup had sort of been marred by people, well, let's be honest, effectively taking Ireland's side straight away without any of us seeing a whole lot of vision of what happened with their abandoned friendly. Um, I think the narrative that got pretty quickly created was that they were just going to be physical. And that was all you were going to see. Whereas, um, and shout out to um, SBS Geno um, one in Melbourne who follows obviously South American football. He's Chilean who said that Colombia was actually going to be a team to watch. Um, I remember we were talking about this months ago because of the investment they've poured in, the work that's been put in, especially in the women's program. Um, sort of reminiscent of you know, when Colombia's men's team, Sean, you know, how they had that big tournament in 2014. Um, so they were a team to watch. Uh, so I was really excited to see what they could do. Obviously, they did really well at the Copa America. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't think they disappointed. Yeah, there were a couple of physical moments. There was that, that high boot quite early on, and there were some big challenges, but not like anything, um, you know, like what we'd heard about with that island clash. I think South Korea don't really give too much away in that regard either, and it's just that sort of hustling style of football. But it was really fun. I thought they were really fun to watch. Um they dominated possession. They looked to actually play the ball. Um, to be honest, I preferred the way they played to the way I saw Ireland play against Australia first up. Um, they were, I thought they were really enjoyable to watch. I felt like South Korea didn't offer a whole lot. They had one good chance. It was a header that they sort of spurned. But this felt really deserved to me. Um, the penalty was there. It was, albeit, you know, it was one of those ones where it's a bit unlucky, but your arm is away from your body. And what I don't think the ref's got much choice there. It was a good pen as well to put away. The second goal, I think, was a bit um, more unfortunate, but it is one of those ones where you create your own luck a little bit, right? Like Linda Cassetto um, goes on that wonderful little run um, and, you know, takes her chance, takes the shot, and um, the the South Korean goalkeeper, um, let's be honest, she's had a, a little bit of a mare. I wasn't sure if um, if you thought she was going to cross her or if she wasn't expecting the shot or if she was just out of position, but either way, she should have saved it. She's really fumbled it. And it's gone over. But, yeah, it was like I was watching on TV. My colleague George Clark was was there and he was saying how good the atmosphere was. Um, on TV, at least, it looked like they were going <laughs> to um, – like the joint was just going to explode with noise. Um, and if they get – they're playing um, there again. I think they play Germany in Sydney in a few days. Um, is that right? I think so. We can correct it. Um, and – it just feels like they've brought so much to the tournament already. Like fans have turned out. I know of people who were 
you know, getting ready to travel from all over Australian, um, Colombian Australians or Colombians. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, I thought they were really fun. Uh, it was a really great way to sort of start the afternoon of football. A dangerous group, this one. Like, yeah, massive. It feels, group. I know from one of um, our friends, Alex, who's Colombian, she was very confident they were going to get out of the group. And this is pre tournament. And geez, they put themselves in a really good position. I remember when we spoke about this group with Anwar because this is Morocco's group as well. We all kind of said that, yeah, Germany should top, but that second spot was really up for grabs. And based on what we've seen, like Colombia has very much asserted themselves as prime candidate for second out of the group. But, yeah, I I just wanted to talk about the atmosphere as well because a couple of my ESPN colleagues were down goodness um they were down in sydney as well and just capturing all of the atmosphere outside there's the drums there's these huge headdresses that from memory look like tiger's heads or lion's heads and the feathers and the color and the singing and it was just like there are so many people who would be like oh i I have this time slot free so i'm gonna go watch colombia south korea and then they got treated to that and i'm just so stoked that that was their maybe introduction to world cup football or their first experience at a world cup football match because that's the kind of stuff that people should be like expecting from this world cup and that's the kind of thing i want them to be subjected to so massive credit to the colombian fans for what they did because it was just it was joyful to watch like you got that even if you weren't at the stadium it was just like yelling at you through the screen and it absolutely ruled it's like midday ridiculous (laughs) on a tuesday as well which is insane um and i love the little stat that um, I said I was the first player to score an under-17 World, Women's World Cup, under-20 World Cup and the, the senior tournament in the space of one year. What a freak. That's so cool. Um, and as I said, you make your own luck a little bit. Like maybe the, the, the finish, another goalkeeper would have saved it, but, you know, you you got to be in it to win it, right? Um, and South Korea also had the youngest ever debutant in the World Cup, Casey Fair, who also becomes, I believe, the first – um, mixed race player to play for the Korean national team, and you wonder if this will be the start of them tapping into the diaspora more. It'll be it'll be really interesting to see. Um, but yeah, she came on fair as well and was in a really like um, physical clash pretty early on, I think. So yeah, exciting exciting times. But South Korea, I think I got the impression when I saw Colin Bell, the coach, in the flash afterwards, bit to bit to work on. I think there'll be some home truths amongst that playing group um, heading into their next game. This was not a good game if you didn't want to like acknowledge the progression of time or how old you were because um between Casey Fair and um Linda Caicedo it was just like oh no I'm old crap um, and I literally tweeted this I was like I was 23 last World Cup this just isn't something I was dealing with last World Cup I'm like 23 they're like it's fine we're basically the same age but now it's like oh no my old bones can't do what you kids are doing um so that Mate, was a fun uh, one Claire, Claire Polkinghorne's first World Cup was probably only a couple like a month or two after Casey Fair was born oh my Casey god Fair was born in June 2007 no one tell Claire that she doesn't need to know that Actually, you reminded me we need to talk a little bit about Polk's later, Harrow. Um, but let's move on to the second game of the day. It was 
an historic victory for the Philippines. They got their first ever World Cup win in their debut World Cup, only their second match in, but it was a party pooping win. We can't deny that because it was Philippines one, New Zealand nil. This game was actually very entertaining. Hara and I watched it at the fan festival here in Brisbane. And I think it really showed that these were two teams at a similar level because there were chances. New Zealand were really dominant, but Philippines were not giving them an inch. There was controversy. There was the goal. There was the history. All in all, had a great time, was angry at VAR, but we'll get into that. So, Angela, do you have some takes on Philippines, New Zealand? Uh, I didn't get to watch this live, um, but I did watch the mini-match. And, yeah, it seemed like a very entertaining game of football. Very Well, there there was physicality there. I think players were leaving. I, to be honest, like looking at, you know, we know how New Zealand can play. They they can rise to the occasion in that regard. Um, so that wasn't too surprising. But, yeah, it was just I think the fact that it was an entertaining game of football is something to be excited about in and of itself. I don't, I don't want to talk shit about New Zealand. I'm sorry, my loves. You just lost a game and we were rooting for you. Well, I, I personally was rooting for you. But to see them, I think that was exciting because sometimes I feel like they, they're not the most interesting team to watch. So to have them play like two games so far in this World Cup and they'd be really entertaining, I think that highlights to a lot of progression in, yeah, how how they're doing as a team. And um, I thought Hand was, is that her name? Hand, that's her name. Yeah. I thought Hand was great. Um, she kind of has like the zip of someone like a Paige Satchel, but a, like very skillful as well and was getting into dangerous areas. Um yeah, the, the Hannah Wilkinson is looking good as well. And we will get into that. That was heartbreaking, to be honest, just because the celebrations and then the, yeah, we're talking about the goal that was disallowed for New Zealand. Um, and yeah, but on the other side of it, the joy when the Philippines scored was just like unmatched as well. And you can see how much that meant for them and Serena Bolden to get it made in the dub baby Serena Bolden made in the dub love that for her um to see Angie Beard as well out on the pitch uh was just I'm sure that tickled a lot of Buck fans like it tickled me and I, she was the assist on the goal I believe as well with the the free in so yeah just lots of things to love about this game and yeah uh and like yeah an entertaining matchup which again I'm sorry to talk shit so earlier in the morning but I was not expecting that so Thank you to both teams for providing that. It do was we want to interesting. Talk about the goal. Yeah. Well, I was going to talk about we can it. Do that later. The, the game. Yeah, yeah. Hang on. Um, I thought it was good in the pre-match. I think Alan Sturridge got asked about like you know you're coming up against the crowd that's going to be so pro Kiwi, and he said, "We want to crash the party. It's not really their party. It's everyone's party. It's our party as well." And I think that just summed up this game because. Um, I'm sure everyone's, well, hopefully you guys saw before FIFA went on their tear of ripping down videos from social media. I think it's a, like a shopping mall, maybe in Manila. It's definitely in the Philippines, but there's so many fans watching. And I think it's when the goal goes in and the joint just erupts. Um, and it's, it's pretty incredible scenes. Like, yeah, I think if New Zealand look back at this game, they'll go, oh, we should have scored. We should have got something out of it. The offside 
geez, it was harsh, but it's one of those ones where what can you do? They, they call it. So, um, yes, I saw Sam's tweet about it's a, it's a tough one for those of us with, uh, with big heads. As, as one of those people I can, I can relate, <laughs> I'd be pretty flat about being found offside um, by my bun. But um, it was a real credit to the Philippines how dogged defensively they were, credit to Alan Stadich, the way he's got this team set up. Um, as we know, I think it's something like 20 players were born in the US. Like they really tapped into the diaspora. And geez, I, I can't believe I haven't talked about it already. That Olivia McDaniel save is just extraordinary to deny Grace Jolly right at the end. Like it's a world-class save. The way she gets down just barely tips it away. And I really like from McDaniel, as frustrating as it would have been for Kiwis, like real dark hearts and shithousery in that second half. It soaked up every minute drop into the floor, every, you know, every every time she'd made a save, like real soaking up, very professionally soaking up the the seconds. Um, I was, I don't think she got a yellow for time wasting at all. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I think she did very well not to. Um, but I thought she was sensational, deserved player of the match. Um, I, I couldn't believe that save. And it felt like every time New Zealand attacked and um, she was in the way. Their defence, we mentioned Angie Beard, their centre-backs were really strong as well. They defended like so astutely. They... Um, they worked super hard through midfield. I know Jacqueline um, Savitsky, we didn't get to see that much of her in the A-League women because she had that knee injury throughout, but she just runs and runs and runs and runs. Um, feels like she almost plays a little bit like the, the Chloe Legazzo role um, that um, Legazzo used to play in, for the Matildas um, when Stadge was coach, just running and working and just tireless. Um, but, yeah, it was it was a really well-structured win, I thought, and um, I think Alan Stadge deserves a lot of credit for what he's done with this team. Uh, they've, they've made it to a World Cup. They've got their first win at a World Cup. You could see what it means to the country. You could see what it meant to those players. Um, and the Serena Bolden goal, yeah, I think there's a little bit of scrappiness to it. I think if um, Vic Essen and her defenders look back, they'll go, geez, there's three of us there. It's not a good one to concede. Um, but Bolden, to her credit, just attacks the ball. I think that's what we saw when she was um, playing in, in the dub this season, just goes for it you as I said just before about Columbia you make your own luck and she well and truly did that um but yeah the atmosphere just looked terrific there as as well um yeah just uh I think a pretty historic day all round it was and it was just it was uh, I was also rooting for New Zealand because got to have that co-host solidarity in my opinion but after I got over the Vaz crap, it's ring, you know, all that stuff. Um, I, I simply love tweeting, we hate VAR, all my homies hate VAR. It's just become a part of my brand at this point. Once I got over that, because obviously we know a lot of Kiwis as well, so we're very disappointed for them, the excitement of a debut win really does kind of overwhelm you. And even just the shots of like Serena Bolden celebrating the goal were so just like the joy kind of erupting out of her face in the still image, stunning. So we absolutely do love to see it. It also makes this group very, very interesting, which we will... Exploded, hasn't it? Like, And it helps the second result from this group of the day uh, just kind of added to all of that nonsense. I was just going to say before, we just because we talked about when we were in the... Um, in the fan zone, Marissa, it felt like New Zealand needed to have one of chance or Longo on a lot earlier. Mm. It felt like they sparked into the game when those two were on and they didn't have that. I know CJ Bott was doing a bit and we've mentioned Han before was doing a bit. Hannah Wilkinson's going <clears> to, <throat> I think, look back at this game and go, how did I not score at least one? 
because she got on the end of so many balls and couldn't direct one in the back of the net. But sometimes that's how things play out. Um, it, as you say, it really does open this group up. I think the, the disappointing, the most disappointing thing, I think, if you were new, a Kiwi watching that is that that was meant to be like such a golden opportunity, like because if they'd won, obviously two wins, you're through to the knockouts, no worries, off you go, happy days. Um, all of a sudden it's just got a whole lot more challenging. Um, this group, it's not been quite so blasted wide open if it would have been if Norway had won, but it's very, very open. Like the fact that you go into the final round of games and, um, you know, everyone can still progress just shows what a what a chaotic group it is. I think it was a friend of the pod, Steph Young, said um, the A is for chaos with the capital A in the middle of it. We love a chaos group on this pod. Um, shall I move on to the final game of the day, which was the snooze fest that was Switzerland nil, Norway nil. Um, it turns out all of the action in this game happened before we even kicked off. There was the whole drama with Arda Hegerberg and she's in the lineup. She's warmed up. She's in the team photo. She sung the anthem. They're in the huddle about to start the game and she has yeeted out of there. Um, and there was a lot of confusion and that was only um, added to because when those team lineups first came out, Norway had no Caroline Graham Hansen and no Ingrid Engen. They were both on the bench. So can anyone kind of talk through just the confusion that was happening around this game before we even started, let alone then the actual match? Does anyone have any takes? It just took everyone by surprise, the Hegerberg thing, right? Like everyone, we've seen, I think most people by now will have seen the footage where she's actually in the full-blown team huddle and then I think one of the trainers pulls her out and off she goes and all their teammates are like, okay, <laughs> what, where are you going? We're all here. Uh, and then um, the Norwegian, the, I think no one really knew what was going on. You're listening on commentary and they're saying, oh, it looks like maybe illness. And then the Norwegian Federation puts it out on Twitter and we're all jumping on Google Translate. And they've said that she's um, had a, like felt something in her groin when she's doing the warm up. And then we're all like, okay, but why was she doing the anthem and why was she um, in the huddle? And then she's, uh, I guess, taken to Twitter herself later on um, and said, I felt discomfort when sprinting right after the anthems. We decided with the staff that no risk should be taken and no subs should be wasted in such an important game for us. And we all trusted Sophie Karina and the team to do the job, which they did. We move on. Um, to be fair, Sophie Romanhug, who came in, I thought was – pretty active, like had a few good chances, forced a couple of good saves. But let's be honest, like the Hegerberg absence just compounded the bizarre decision to leave, in particular Carolyn Graham Hansen on the bench, like one of the most dangerous players in the world. I, I, I'm still kind of baffled by it because when she came on around that sort of 50, 55, 57-minute mark, she was creating so many opportunities, forced a couple of really good saves, was creating things, was making things happen. And let's be honest, like, Marissa, we were both covering this, this game for our respective workplaces. Norway were not offering a heap. Um, Switzerland, to be fair, they weren't either. <laughs> we're like, this is the game that Norway really needed to, to make an impact in because now they're in a position 
sorry, I should have said a nil-all draw for those who are, are playing at home and haven't seen the scores. Not sure why. Um, but Norway really do have it all to do. They're going to have to beat the Philippines, who will be on an incredible high and have this belief that they can do anything deservedly after that result. Um, and they'll also have to hope that results sort of play out their way as well. Um, like, for example, I don't know, Switzerland beating New Zealand and um, they also win. Like, that's that's probably going to be the only way, I think, off the top of my head. Unless they New Zealand get a draw, then it's going to come down to goal difference and all that sort of thing. Like, yeah, it's not the position you want to be in. It's unconvincing. Um, it really sort of – I mean, if people are going to call you frauds, doing this sort of thing doesn't help, does it? Like – yeah, no good, no good. They're in a very, very dangerous position, Norway. Um, and, you know, it's going to be of their own making if they don't make it out of the group stage. Have you guys seen the comments from Graham Hansen about – because I, I was as baffled as everyone, but it's like it was a deliberate, it sounds like, drop to the bench after the performance against New Zealand, which to me is like doesn't make sense in and of itself, but she has come out and said that, she's angry about it like as I think most players would be but then if you take that into consideration now there's an additional like emotional complexity to this team there's another thing that the players are thinking about um yeah it's it's bizarre I don't it I I don't know how I feel about this Norway side because it's it's almost like I I Part of me is like, hey, hey you, you stuck on that one. Like, and the other side of me is like, oh, is there something like, uh, this is not good. This this should be a good thing. Like you guys should be aspiring to do a really good job here. And there just seems to be real off vibes in this team just based on how they're performing on the field. How's the line? I was just looking up those comments, um, Angela, you mentioned them, that Graham Hansen saying, Nothing comes for free in life, but I thought I'd earned a certain amount of respect, but maybe that wasn't the case. Oh, boy. Things are not good in that dressing room. Egan um, Risa clearly is not on the same wavelength as some of these players. And, you know, I think Graham Hans has probably got a fair point. Like, she's like an absolute star. And as a general rule, unless something that we're not privy to has gone, you know, down really badly on the field, whether it's descent, whatever, whatever, like you often see coaches, if they're not happy with how a player played first up, especially when you hear guns, you, you back them in to rectify that next time around. Um, but anyway, like we don't know what's going on in that room, but it seems like not a good place to be. Like often when you see – or if you see a star player, you know, sort of drop, normally you see them sort of toe the line and talk about, oh, yeah, and then I'm going to make – I was happy to make this impact off the bench. I did this, I did that. But, yeah, it – yeah, it doesn't seem like a great place to be at the moment, the Norwegian national team, which is a shame because, geez, as, you know, as, a, as we can attest to having a look at them, the debutantes in this tournament, World Cups doesn't come around that often. Look at Penilla Harder. She is making a World Cup debut at like 30. Um, and I know part of the reason they missed out in 2019 was because of their sort of protests and losing points because of that. But, yeah, especially in the, a confederation as... Um, as tough as UEFA, like some of these players, if things go badly in their European, in their qualifying next time around, they might not be on this stage again. So, yeah, for things to sort of be so like, um, yeah, shakily based um, on this stage, it's, it's, 
yeah, pretty disappointing. And especially when you look at the amount of talent in that Norwegian team, it's it's kind of criminal that they're not doing so well. Switzerland, I thought, actually had some really nice moments. They put together some nice passages of play, but also sort of fizzled a bit. But they seem, um, yeah, pretty strong. They feel like it does feel like they're the best placed to get out of this group. And I feel for our Kiwi friends, I feel like Switzerland will get a result, whether it's a one point or, or two, and get themselves out of this group. Um, but yeah, it's a bizarre group, chaotic group. The vibes. <laughs> they're not necessarily bad. They're maybe a bit bad around Norway, but they're just chaotic with this mm. group. There's no chill in this group is probably the best way to describe it. Just anywhere. No chill. Absolutely zero. But um, we move Can I just on. Say, yeah, of course. Before we move on, uh, Thalman, I thought she had a ripping game. I really enjoyed her saves. And she, I think she really kept Switzerland in it. Not that they weren't like a, like getting good opportunities themselves, but um, it just felt like Norway had more incisive ones. And, yeah, shout out to, yeah, between the six, Thalman. I thought she did. She did good. I'm sure she's listening to this being like, thank you, Angela. I was waiting for this. I really appreciate that. Player of the match award? No, no. Angela's praise? Yes. Give it to me. That's what I want. But also very telling that, you know, um, both McDaniel and Talman got the player of the match awards in those uh, later two games. And you've seen it a lot on Twitter. A lot of people have been like, the goalkeepers this tournament? are like, we're sick of everyone shit-talking goalkeepers, have just like blinders game after game after game. So it's been very good to see. We can probably delve into that at a later episode. But uh, let's move right along to little Tilly's squad update. Harrow, this is your time to talk. So Tilly's squad update. My time to shine. Um, no Sam Kerr update. Uh, but Caitlin Ford did tell up to sport that um, – she'll be back before the end of the tournament, which isn't a new update. Like, that's been pretty consistent with what they've been saying. Like, that she'll be back. She's working towards fitness. Sam Kerr, even as I said the other day, when she was doorstop, said, definitely not. My tournament's not over. So, Caitlin Ford was the latest person to say that. The reason Caitlin Ford was getting interviewed by Optus, though, um, yesterday was a closed training session. Um, as um, all the national teams have every right, I think, before each match day to have one day that's completely closed, like media can't go. Um, Optus are obviously host broadcasters, so they get an interview or whatever. They were meant to chat to Mary Fowler, um, but they rock up um, to training. Get told, oh, Mary copped a knock at the end of training, so can't do this interview because she's having sort of a precautionary assessment, um, which is not what we need to hear when we're already down Sam Kirk. I Simon's not right to play. Da, 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 da. Um, Football Australia later said to Optus, she's okay, actually. You know, we're just getting an assessment and she's all right. But not, not what we need two days out from the game to get that sort of little scare. Um, it means um, I'm talking before we all go off to Tilly's training to have a look for our 15 minutes of fun. Um, all eyes will be on Mary Fowler just to see how she's moving, I imagine. Hopefully all is good and all is well and she's right to start and play a big role against Nigeria. But, yes, that was a little scare on a yeah what you'd expect to be sort of an off day of news um, with the Tilly's. It's like, guys, some of us have anxiety. We don't need precautionary assessment after Mary Fowler knock. Like, none of us need that. Um, but obviously we do hope that it is precautionary and all of the above because we really do want our best players uh, fit and firing. But 
uh, let's move into some of the funner bits of the tournament. I have two. If someone would like to talk about one of these, I'm happy for you to do it. But my two favourite things that I saw on social media yesterday were the person who got a Steph Catley tattoo after putting in a group chat that if Steph Catley scored this World Cup, they would get a Steph Catley tattoo. I respect the commitment to the bit. And the Matildas also replied to this person's tweet about them getting the Catley tattoo. So I simply love the Nuffcraft. I adore people talking shit and then following through on their shit talking, basically. Um, So that made me very, very happy. Um, The other thing that I absolutely loved to see was Waru the Koala from Germany. Um, I saw it literally after we finished recording yesterday, but uh, found out more uh, after we had finished recording. So Clara Bull has took up crocheting at the Euros last year and apparently crocheted the entire team Little Love Hearts as they were heading into the final. Obviously, she's gotten much better in the year that's passed and was able to crochet a whole-ass koala wearing a little Germany kit and the team has collectively named him Waru, which means uh, fire in the Pintapi and Lurajita languages. So love that, love everything about it. Lena Oberdorf was on the bench yesterday uh, when Germany played Morocco and just had him tucked in her jersey, had him tucked in the hood of the jacket and he was just kind of like trotting around the misses, having the time of his life. Um, And if you Google the team, they're just, he's basically their little mascot, their little emblem. There's photos of Alex Pop like posing with him at the official FIFA photo sessions. Um, So he's everywhere and I love him and he makes me so happy. And a lot of people... Uh, replied to my tweet about him yesterday just like the vibes coming off this Germany team based solely on this one crocheted koala immaculate like everyone's getting a really good vibe from this team not just from their football but the way they're doing their business off the field and that includes their tiny little crocheted koala mascot so I simply love Waru I simply love the German national team and I just there's nothing bad about it I love all of it but Um, That was a lot of me time. Do you guys have any little bits or bobs that you would like to share with the listeners? No? No? Excellent. Not off the top of my head. Excellent. I don't think so. I've got got some boots, but we won't get into those today. (laughs) We've got big boots. We've got little boots. We've got a whole range of boots, but we won't. Oh, goodness. We'll leave those for another time because otherwise it won't be an express pod. (laughs) I have... Yeah, sorry. I I had one more thing that I just wanted to mention because we were talking about Polks before. Harold, you wrote a story yesterday that reminded me of Polks and the statue. So did you want to talk about your story from yesterday a little bit? Yeah, sure thing. Um, Thanks to the Matildas for helping me out with this. Um, The other day um, at training at QSAC, the Matildas had a a special guest. So nine of this squad are are Queenslanders. and eight of them, so that's all done by Mary Fowler, who is obviously raised in Cairns, not in the Brisbane or Gold Coast area. They crossed paths um, while at the Queensland Academy of Sport with physiotherapist Joe Boone. Um, so Joe visited um, the team on Sunday um, when they were back in action in Brisbane, back training. Um, and it was it was clearly quite an emotional reunion. We only saw a little bit of it. We saw a bit through the Matilda socials as well. Um, so Joe was obviously the physio um, for a lot of these players when they were coming through, trying to, you know, become professional footballers and 
and breakthrough. And Joe was was diagnosed with uh, motor neuron disease, or MND, in 2019. Um, and while she's been dealing with that, um, her personal health battle um, has raised more than $100,000 in terms of funding, you know, to help find a cure. Um, we all know the work that, for example, Anil Danaher has done in terms of fighting MND. Joe um, is also working to fight MND. And as I said, it was quite a emotional reunion with a lot of those players, um, thanks to Ish Ferguson, who gave a, a little bit of context just about how important, you know, physios are. Like she's mentioned that the physio room is the safe space for athletes. Um, it's, so the relationship between the physios and the players is absolutely crucial. Um, so she said, Joe had such a, Ish obviously also came through the Queensland program. She said, Joe had such a positive influence on us, which is why it's so great to reconnect with her after all these years. It's just great to see her and hopefully to let her know what big of an impact she had on all our lives. Um, and it's a really sweet video. It's on the Matilda's social and social pages and website. They, um, uh, she did tell Claire Polkinghorne that we need a statue in Brisbane of, of Polks, which, you know, we're all behind except Polks. She, she really doesn't seem to want that statue. She said she'll never retire, so she can't get it. Um, and uh, there was a really lovely moment where um, where Joe told the players, um, I'm super proud, honestly. It was a little bit of input, but it'll live with me forever. And it's just a nice reminder that there's so many people who play a role in these players coming through, um, whether that's fellow players, coaches, staff, uh, fitness staff, physios, doctors, family, friends, like so many different people um, help make these players who they are and help them achieve their potential. And um, it was quite sweet seeing Joe saying, I remember you guys when, you know, you were this big and you got Mackenzie Arnold was about six foot now. <laughs> it, was a, it was a really nice um, touching um, video and, and moment, I think, for all these players, um, especially you could see for your Tamika Yallop, Katrina Gorey types that Joe had had a, had a big influence on them. So... Yeah, well done to the Matildas and thank you for sharing that with us. Um, yeah, and I appreciated um, the Matildas sharing that with me for, for a story for AAP. It was just really, really wholesome. So I felt like we needed some good vibes out there. So definitely go read Harrow's story. Um, we will wrap this up with the debut of a new segment. Um, so welcome to The Fit Check, brought to you by Rebel We've completed match day one of the group stage, which means we've seen at least every team in one of their kits. And we want to talk about our hits, our misses, which ones we're buying, which ones we're maybe leaving on the rack. But I'm interested in both of your takes. What has been your favourite kit so far of the match day one collection? Angela, What? which one are you liking the look of? Jamaica's, I reckon. I really enjoyed theirs. Um, we do have a kipper that I will, we will eventually get to, but Jamaica, as across the board, I think they've done well with their kits, but out on the field, because, yeah, sometimes things on mannequins or in photos don't look the same as they do out on the pitch, but um, Jamaica's stood the test of actually being a whole kit on players on, you know, screens or, or in stadiums. So, yeah, double thumbs up there. And I also really liked... um. Hades from memory. Yes, mm, I did. Me too. I did enjoy Hades as well. I think the promotional materials for theirs hasn't done the kit justice. It's actually a really beautiful colour and I, I like it. When you see Dominay like sort of tearing swaths through England in that kit as well, it really, really made it special. Yeah, it was pretty <laughs> also just 
uh, Dumonet posting on Instagram a very unflattering photo of, I think it's Georgia Stanway maybe or Kira Walsh and a very athletic looking photo of her on her Instagram with a link to her website. Absolutely loved that. That was very good enough craft. But Harrow, what kit are you liking from match day one? I love that from our gal. It's, Matt, the photo's got to be good of you. Everyone else is just a supporting actor. So <laughs> love that from our gal, Melty. Um, of course, enjoy the Tilly's kit, which is pretty special, um, seeing just all of Stadium Australia, um, bar those sections of Ireland fans, uh, basically lit up gold. And it's, it's going to live with us seeing Steph Cartley just, you know, throw the fist and, you know, beat the chest and that sort of thing in it. But I thought um, the opening game, New Zealand getting that first win in that fantastic black kit with the ferns on it. Um, I just feel like it just added to the moment. Like it was so emotionally driven, so um, fantastic. There was so much pride. That crowd was loud. It was, yeah, it was awesome. I just feel like um, the New Zealand kit for that first, um, when Hannah Wilkinson scored that first goal, of course, as well, it was just fantastic. And, yeah, I, I think in terms of moments that they were wearing that kit, which is one, so cool and iconic and two, just just so very New Zealand um, for that moment um, was yeah, fantastic. I think we're going to go for a trio of black kits here because the one that I wanted to single out was South Africa's away kit. I love me a black kit, the gold detailing on it, absolutely stunning. And it was this close to being a very historic kit as well. We saw that they obviously took the lead against Sweden, held on to that lead for a good chunk of time as well before Sweden came and knocked them over. But just, I really enjoy the black kit. Like it looked absolutely sick, but there will be more kit chat coming to you. This was the fit check brought to you by Rebel. These will come after every match day and every um, kind of completion of a stage. Apologies also for my little Slack notifications going off in this pod record, but I think that is us done for today. We're still in the group stage, so we still have plenty more football coming your way. Today's matches, we've got Japan, Costa Rica, Spain, Zambia, and Canada, Ireland, which is one that we will obviously be watching very closely. But thank you, as always, for tuning in. As always, you can find us on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual podcasts. pod spots make sure you subscribe so you get these daily pods directly into your feed if you want to have a chat to us we're at the far post pod on all social media but until next time